This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. It's time to take a look at our featured mag of the day. And I'm so happy, not only because the Bellamy Brothers were playing, but because Hannah Watson joins us from Take a Break magazine. Hello, Hannah. Hi, Jill. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. Uh, busy in the office, as usual, which is good. You Lots guys, of stories to write. You guys are always busy. You're <laughs> always so, so busy bringing us all these wonderful stories and even better headlines. <laughs> <laughs> well, true life never stops. Oh, it does not. It does not. Uh, so you've been keeping well then? Yeah, pretty well. I'm trying to think what I've been up to. I've been doing a lot of cycling to work, which is good. And um, me and a couple of the girls have started a bit of a tab fit club. So we've been going to the park at lunchtime and, you know, trying to do the whole post-Christmas thing, get into shape. So that's been good. Oh, my goodness. So jealous because (laughs) I'm not. In fact, um, somebody just left uh, a whole load of fairy cakes and some cake after a meeting. And uh, we all dived into the kitchen like, you know, we we hadn't eaten in (laughs) months. Yes. (laughs) But uh, Connie and I were in there first. So we got the pick (laughs) of the bunch. Anyway, listen, it's great to have you on the program. We've got some great stories from Take a Break this week. And uh, what do you have for us first? So the first story is called The Battle for My Belly, and this is from a woman called Julie. So Julie was flicking through a magazine when she got to an image and stopped. The woman in the picture had shapely legs, a tiny waist, and a great big smile on her face. She was everything that Julie wanted to be. This woman's had gastric gastric band surgery, she said to her husband Jeff. Look at her now. Jeff looked at her, then looked at the picture of the magazine and said, I like you just the way you are. Julie said, I don't know how you can say that when I'm like this. It's the inside you I love, said Jeff. At 27 stone, Julie was deeply unhappy with her body. She researched the procedure and went for a private consultation where the surgeon explained he would use keyhole surgery to fit the band. Afterwards, she'd only be able to eat small amounts of food at a time. Over the years, she'd got into the habit of eating her blues away and now she couldn't control herself. But as she pictured herself, new, thin, looking great, she was really excited. Three weeks later, she went in for her procedure. When she woke up, the surgeon said, We couldn't put the band in. Your liver was too swollen with fatty tissue. She was really embarrassed. The surgeon told her he could fit the band once she'd lost three stone. So she put herself on a fluid-only diet, and three months later she had the gastric band fitted. It worked wonders. In four months, she'd lost four stone, taking her down to 20 stone. But then disaster struck. One morning, she began to have excruciating stomach cramps and coughed up black fluid. She went back to the surgeon, who said, Your stomach linings pushed through the band. We're going to have to reverse your operation. No, said Julie. I put all, I'll put all the weight back on. So he recommended a gastric bypass. Her stomach would be stapled to make it smaller, reducing her appetite and making her feel fuller quickly. It was a big operation and she'd need to find another £5,000, but she decided to go for it. After the surgery, she was told to begin on liquids and slowly reintroduce solid food. If you overdo it, the doctor warned, your stomach will get too full and you'll start experiencing serious stomach pains. Don't worry, said Julie, I'll go easy. After the liquid phase, she tried half a Weetabix for her first breakfast. It was enough to fill her new smaller stomach. That evening, as Jeff and their kids tucked into their dinner, she only ate a plate. En- she only ate enough to fill a side plate, and sure enough, her body started to shrink. When she looked in the mirror, she hardly recognised herself. And four months later, she weighed eleven stone and a half. "You look amazing," Jeff said. "I'm so proud of you, and the kids are too." 
Thanks, said Julie, and she admired her slinky reflection in the mirror. But one day she was pottering around the kitchen when she saw a fresh loaf of bread out on the worktop. Suddenly it was as if it was calling to her. She normally avoided carbs, choosing to save her limited space in her tummy for protein and veg. But now she buttered a slice of bread and ate it. She'd forgotten how good it tasted. With every bite, she felt the day's stresses ebbing away. She thought one more slice isn't going to hurt. Soon she was eating another and another. She looked down at the crumbs on the worktop and thought, I'm going to pay for that later. And she readied herself for the stomach cramps. But they didn't happen. And the next day she managed a sandwich with no consequences. And the day after that, she piled her dinner plate a little higher. When Jeff needed petrol, she'd offer to go so she could stop, scoff a couple of chocolate bars and crisps without him seeing. And when she went to Morrison's, she'd scoff a pack of donuts in one go and hide the packaging from Jeff. Her stomach stretched so much that she could soon eat anything she wanted without so much as a mild tummy ache. And within 18 months, she'd put back on the 10.5 stone, taking her back up to 21.5 stone. It beggared belief. All that money she'd paid and all the pain she'd gone through, and she'd sabotaged it. But rather than confront her problems, she avoided the mirror. And no one dared mention her weight gain. It was as if it hadn't really happened. Then it was time for her health checkup. The medical consultant said, How do you feel about your weight? Terrible, she said. Your BMI is 54, the medical consultant replied. You're shortening your life expectancy. A lump formed in Julie's throat. Have you thought about lighter life? The medical consultant said. No, she said, but I'll try anything. Soon after, she went to a lighter life meeting. There, they explained that alongside the diet, she'd received group counselling to consult her food issues. For a year, she'd have to eat shakes and bars, totalling just over 600 calories a day. On day two of the diet, she felt hungry and exhausted. I don't think I can do this, she said. It's just too hard. Hang in there, said Jeff. A couple of days later, she felt full of energy. Instead of eating her blues away, she'd talk to Jeff about how she felt. Time passed and the weight dropped off. A year later, she'd lost 10 stone and weighed 12 stone, one pound. She went to her bedroom at home, pulled out an old pair of size 12 jeans and put them on. She held her breath as she tried the zip. Then she said, they fit. Jeff said, that's amazing. Since then, she's managed to get down to 11 stone four. Now she's become a lighter life counsellor in her spare time and helps other women achieve what she has. They can't believe it when she shows them the pictures of her old me, of the old her. And to tell the truth, neither can Julie. Do you know, it's uh, good for her for sticking to it. I think yeah. people think when they have gastric bands or gastric bypass surgery that, um, you know, they forget that their stomach can still stretch again. I know. So, you wouldn't think it would be able to stretch that much so that she could get back up to her original size. It's crazy. Well, exactly. And you wouldn't think that, that having, you know, the majority of your stomach stapled away, that it would actually, you know, have the... The material to stretch. Grow again, I know. It yeah. just shows how amazing the body is. It can just do anything, can't it? Oh, it can't have. Well, good luck to her. Let's hope she keeps the weight off yeah, uh, for the sake of her health. Okay, listen, let's move on to our next story. And this is Dying. Don't be daft, mommy. Yeah, so this is from a lady called Terry. So Terry was sitting on the sofa and a little figure tottered towards her. He reached out, staggered, jumped, just, and she jumped up just in time to catch him before he fell. You're running mummy ragged, she said. Her little boy Taylor's face lit up. He was eight months old and spent hours crawling around and trying to hoist himself onto the furniture. Terry spent most of her time running after him. 
Although life as a single parent was hard, she loved every minute of it. And her and Taylor spent lots of time playing in the park, rolling on the floor with his blanket and giggling at his Winnie the Pooh teddy. It was rare to see him without a smile on her face. Terry's mum, Kate, often helped to look after him and they'd talk about his first steps and when he'd start school. You've so much to look forward to, Kate said. By now, Taylor was sleeping through the night, but one morning at 5.30, she heard him cry. Terry went into his bedroom, lifted him from his cot and gasped. He was red hot but shivering. What's the matter, she said. She held him to her chest and rocked him. He'd never really been ill before, but Terry rang the NHS director for advice and the operator called for an ambulance. On the way to A&E, she rang her mum, Kate. Taylor's going to hospital, she said. Don't panic, though, it's just a temperature. As a first-time mum, she had no idea how serious it was, but she asked her mum to come along. In hospital, Taylor had tests and the nurse said, it seems to be flu, go home and keep an eye on him. So she went back to to her mum's house, but she could tell Taylor still wasn't well. He wouldn't stop crying and he wouldn't eat or drink. Then Terry noticed blue marks appearing on his face. His breathing was slow and his heart was racing. Mum, she said, what's happening to him? I don't know, Kate replied, call an ambulance. She grabbed her phone and dialed 999. My little boy needs help, she said. Soon after, an ambulance arrived and took them to Queen's Medical Centre in Nottingham. By now, Taylor was barely moving, and when they arrived at hospital, he passed out. The paramedics rushed him inside, and he was taken straight to intensive care, where he was put into an induced coma. Mum and her stayed with him. They had no idea what was wrong, but as the nurses removed his T-shirt and jeans, she noticed a purple rash slowly creeping across his body. "'What's happening?' she said. "'Is he going to be all right?' A doctor turned to her and said, Taylor's critically ill. We're not certain, but it appears to be meningitis. Terry froze. The doctor continued to talk, but she couldn't take it in. All she knew about meningitis was that it could be a killer. Hours went by and the medical team continued to treat Taylor. One doctor told her, Taylor's body is shutting down. He has less than a 10% chance of survival. Terry was terrified. At last, Taylor was diagnosed with a form of meningitis and her and her mum sat down with a doctor. We've done all we can for Taylor, they said. I'm very sorry, but it's unlikely he'll make it through the night. Her mum held her as Terry began to shake. Then she called the family and friends and told them to come to the hospital. One by one, they arrived to say their goodbyes. Terry looked at her precious little boy lying on the bed. One leg had turned black, as had his fingers and toes. His body was swollen and purple. Even his tiny nose and lips were covered in a rash. I wish it was me lying there instead of him, she said to her mum. I know, her mum replied. Then they began to prepare themselves for the worst. A day went by, and another, and another, and Taylor continued to fight. The doctor still held out very little hope, but one day she was looking at his face when she saw something. She said, Mum, look, his eyelids are flickering. Suddenly, Taylor's eyes opened. After 17 days in a coma, the doctor decided he was stable enough to be brought round properly. Terry was delighted, but Taylor wasn't the same little boy as before. He spent hours staring into space, as if he didn't know who she was. And there was more bad news. He had to have his left leg amputated. The operation left him with septic shock, and he spent days in intensive care. Then, just as he got over that, he underwent more surgery to remove all his fingers and toes. It was drastic and she wondered how somebody so little could ever recover from something so devastating. She didn't leave his side and she kept saying, come on, sweetheart, give us a smile. Then one day, Taylor looked at her and it was though a light had been switched on inside him. 
His lips began to curl, and then his smile widened into a grin. She said, I knew you could do it. It took time, but little by little, the tailor she knew began to return to her. He started playing with some balloons by his cot and asking to watch television. And one day he sat up and waved his bandaged arm at the nurses. It was as though he was saying, I'm back. After 23 operations and seven and a half months in hospital, Taylor was finally allowed home. There he continued to amaze them. He learnt how to hold things between the palms of his hands and to push himself up on the sofa using his little legs. Now he's 17 months old and waiting several more operations. He has weekly physiotherapy and is learning to live with a prosthetic leg, but no matter what is thrown at him, he keeps on smiling. Terry still spends half her time running after him as he clambers on furniture and tangles himself up in his blanket, but she wouldn't have it any other way. He's her little star. Oh my goodness, he is a little star, isn't he? You just, you hear stories like that and you just think how incredible, like we said a a minute ago, how incredible the human body is and how resilient um, little ones can be, because you think... Absolutely, um, and I guess he'll grow up sort of not knowing any any difference, so to him it'll be normal. Yes, yes, but terribly, terribly distressing yeah. uh, for his mum and, and all the, you know, his, his parents, his grandparents. Um, poor wee soul, so wee soul. But you know something, kids are so resilient, aren't they? Yeah. They're just amazing. And sometimes, you know, you look at your own problems in life and, and you see these wee ones that have just got through so, so much adversity and you think, mm. I've got no right to complain yeah i mean he's really inspirational little boy absolutely absolutely okay oh hannah listen thank you so much for joining us today and taking us through these stories um you know we always love take a break magazine because they are real life stories and sometimes the stories can be you know love rat stories and sometimes you get these touching stories but you know they are true life stories and Mm -hmm. uh they're good to hear so thank you very much for taking us through this week's magazine and obviously if anybody wants to get the current issue of the mag it is out now um or you can take a look online it's a fully accessible website have you got the web address Yeah, it's www.takeabreak.co.uk. Brilliant. Hannah, have a fabulous week and we'll speak to you again very soon here on Insight Radio. Thanks, Jill. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.